You are listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pittsfield campus. Father, we thank you for this time together, and we pray, Father, that uh, your Holy Spirit would be here with us. We know, Father, that uh, you've promised that, and so we're expecting, Father, that your Holy Spirit would be here. We're expecting your Holy Spirit to move in our hearts and our minds, Lord, as we... um, talk today. Father, I pray that as I speak, that you would speak through me, Father, that it would be less of me and more of you as we move forward today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, last week we were talked about uh, roots and we talked about uh, where we really, you know, can choose where we want to put our roots. You know, we can, we can uh, put our roots in a dry place, like in a desert, by what? Trusting in mankind, trusting in the flesh, trusting in ourselves. And when we do that, our roots are very shallow, and they're very dry, and they're very barren. And really, we are the, produ- the production, the fruit of that is like a shrub in the desert that's really no good for anything uh, but to be burned or thrown away. Or we can choose to put our roots beside the streams of living water by trusting in the Lord, putting all our trust and faith in the Lord. And then our roots grow deep, and we grow healthy, nice, green, flourishing leaves, healthy, good fruit. And that's what we need to choose. And so uh, that's what we talked about last week. And, and, and we talked about the choice being ours. You know, we, we read from Jeremiah 17 where, uh, the, where Jeremiah used a simile that said you know, that we, we can be either like a man whose faith is in himself or in the flesh and, and be like a shrub. Or we can be like a man whose faith and trust is in the Lord and, and be like that strong and, and rooted tree. tree. Perhaps, you know, we thought we were rooted in the Lord. And, but as, as, we've talked, as we've thought about this week, and I kind of challenged you last week to really examine those roots and, and to see where you've put down your roots. Maybe over the last week you found that maybe you are trusting in the flesh or there are some places in your life or some areas of your life where you trust in the flesh more than you trust in the Lord. So we want to find these places where we don't trust the Lord. And, and we want to expose those roots so that God can transplant us, to transplant new roots in us and roots that grow toward that streams of living water, roots that grow strong and deep, strong and deep. Now, for me, I know uh, part of the challenge was for me also was to really examine the roots in my life. And, you know, I thought I was completely rooted in the Lord. I thought that maybe uh, that God had done a lot of work in me and my roots were totally in him and I put all of my trust and all of my faith in the Lord. But then I had a reminder this week that, of one area, there's probably more, of one area where that isn't happening or that hasn't happened. And, and you might think it's a little bit silly, you might think it's a little bit crazy, but for me it's a, it's a very real thing. You might think that maybe I'm a little weird when I tell you about it. But again, it's something that's really, really true and, and, and hard for me. And the thing that for me that, that was uncovered this week is that I've had, I've had this fear of wintertime. I know it might sound silly, but it's true. In my mind, when it gets below about 20 degrees, nothing good can happen. There is no good (laughs) that can happen. Really, it's about 40 degrees, but we'll go with 20. (laughs) There's nothing that can happen good. Only bad things happen. And for real, I get, I mean, you can talk to Kathy. She'll bear this out. I get, like, freaked out when it gets really cold. This past week, when it got close to zero, I get worried uh, our furnace isn't the newest furnace in the world. I, I start freaking out thinking that it's going to go out on us and we're going to wake up and it's going to be like 10 degrees and we're all going to be frozen stiff. 
I'm afraid, you know, then you have to replace the furnace, and that costs like $10 million. And, <laughs> and when, when we get a lot of snow, I worry about the roof and, you know, the, the weight of the snow and all that, about melting and all the issues that that can bring, bring with ice dams and all that. And, and as I think about these things, I realize that these are kind of silly and kind of stupid, but they're very, very real to me. They're things that I struggle with. They're things that almost bring me, they almost paralyze me at times because I'm so afraid of what might happen because it's so cold outside and because of the things that, because nothing good can happen, right, when it gets so cold. And as I think about these things, I know that that really they're unfounded. They're fears that are unfounded or it's a fear that's unfounded. You know, it borders on the ridiculous. And you can imagine how last winter was for me when we had weeks and weeks and weeks where it was below zero and 20 below and all this stuff. It was crazy, and I was really, really petrified and paralyzed much of the winter because of this fear that I have. So this week, as I was thinking about these things, I was thinking, where do these things come from? Why am I so afraid of that? Why don't I trust God? God told me that he'd take care of me. God says that I have everything I need. Why don't I trust him with something as silly? It's wintertime and cold weather. Why don't I do that? Where do these fears come from? Well, most of you know I'm originally from the south, and we don't get these cold temperatures down there. We really don't. You know, for us, an Arctic blast might be, you know, 20 degrees at night and 35 during the day or something, and we kind of get cold and, and freak out about that down there. We just don't have these long, bitter, cold winters that New England has. And as I thought about this fear and, and I wondered where it comes from, the Lord reminded me that when I was in junior high school, I think it was eighth grade, ninth grade, somewhere in there, we, had, we did have a for real cold snap in Tennessee. I mean, it was like it got down to zero for a long time at night. And in the daytime, you know, the high might be 15 or 20 degrees. So we had a really, really cold snap. And I can remember nothing good happened <laughs> once it got below about 20 degrees. I mean, because pipes freeze, you know, down there, pipes aren't insulated nearly as well as they are there. So water pipes were frozen. Trees were falling because they had ice on them. And it was crazy. And I remember my mother had, you know, she was a single mom at the time. My father had passed away a few years before that. And I remember her struggling to keep us warm and to find a place when the power went out for three or four days to, to find a place for us to be where we could all be warm. I guess that must have been pretty impressionable at that age. I guess that... These, these memories that from that must carry forward and, and bring this paralysis to me even today as I dwell on them. And as I dwell on them, what happens when, you, when you're afraid of something and it's, it's really, it goes, runs through your mind, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And then the fear just grips me and I'm paralyzed. Fear of winter. How silly is that? But it's true. Paralyzed from fear. And that really struck me as uh, Kyle chose the song, we're no longer a slave to fear. I don't need to be a slave to fear any longer. God has rescued me from that fear. God has set me free from that fear. But I have to trust in him. I have to have faith that he's going to be with me and carry me through these things that, that can easily make me so fearful. Now, you might not consider this fear that I have of winter really like a sinful thing because We don't really think of that as sinful. Everybody has fears, right? Everybody's afraid of something. We're afraid of snakes or dogs or flying or public speaking. There's many, many things that are very common for people to be afraid of. But as I thought about this and I thought about how ridiculous it seemed for me to be so afraid of wintertime and cold weather, 
I was convicted because this is an area where I don't trust God like I should. I don't trust God in this area because I think I've got to do it all. I think if the furnace goes out, I've got to figure out a way to make it better. Instead of trusting God that he's going to equip me to figure out a way. God's going to cover me. God's got my back in all these things. My fear of winter is an area of my life where, where I just don't trust. And this, this lack of trust, it's evident. It comes to light when, when I feel all these potential dangers and think about all the things that might happen and they get bigger and bigger and bigger and feel like these things are on me to handle. I've got to take care of my family through this. I've got to do... No, the Lord is with me. I've got to trust in him. I feel that way when, when like God has put me here in this place in New Hampshire where these long and dangerous winters, and it's up to me to track my way through them. It's up to me to get through it all. So maybe God's trying to teach me something, even through these winters. Maybe he's trying to teach me something through this fear that's inside of me as I learn to trust him more and follow him more. Maybe he's trying to teach me something. So we might call it sinful, and, and maybe not, this fear that I have. But it's definitely an area for me where I'm choosing to be like that shrub that we talked about last week. My roots aren't going deep because my faith and my trust are not in Jesus. They're not in the Lord. And what's the fruit of that fear for me? What am I getting out of that? Fear. Guilty. Now, as I thought about it this week, there's a guilt in me for not trusting the Lord. I get a bad attitude that leads to paralysis so that I can't do what God calls me to do because I'm so afraid to get out and do it. And I get just plain misery for an entire season of the year, a very long season, I might add. So as I've sought the Lord on this and dug into this and these roots, they've become exposed a little bit. And you know, God has shown me that I need to trust him more. I can see that he needs to do some work in me he needs to do some work in my heart regarding trust, anxiety. You know, I've hidden these things in my heart for so long. I don't even talk to Kathy about them very much. We talked about it a little bit last winter, but not a lot because I feel kind of silly. I feel ridiculous. I feel inside of me, I think, well, what are people going to think if they know that I'm, I'm afraid of something so silly as that? What are they going to think? So I think that I can hide them from God and I can hide this fear from others. I'm afraid to share with others. But now it's time to expose those roots. And it's time for me to, to find forgiveness for my lack of faith and my lack of trust and to find healing from this, this fear that's kind of crazy. So after this past week's homework of examining ourselves to see where we put our roots, where we put our trust, where we put our faith, then the question we need to answer for this week it's what's hidden in my life. What things am I keeping in my life that I need to let be exposed? That's it. I need to let those things be exposed to God so he can either forgive or he can bring healing and transplant those roots somewhere in a more fertile area, closer to the streams of living water. So what kind of things are in my life that prevent me from putting my full faith and trust in the Lord? Perhaps, like me, you feel like there's something rooted in your past that creates a fear. Maybe it's a fear that's as ridiculous as mine, or maybe it's a fear that's very, very real. I'm not making light of, of any of these fears that we have because I know from my own experience it's very real, and it's very hard. It's even hard to talk about and think about. 
Maybe for you, though, it's something that you were victimized by in the past. Maybe there was abuse. There's so many that, that have been victimized and abused in the past. And, and we, the crazy thing about that is the victim usually ends up carrying shame and guilt when they have no reason to carry that shame and guilt because they were truly victims of that, feeling like no one, no one else would understand. No one else has ever had to deal with this. So I need to keep it within me, to keep it inside me. And then you feel alone. And you let the enemy, you let Satan isolate you and give you that feeling that there's no one else in the whole world that, that has that same struggle, that has that same abuse, that has that same history and background as you. And there you are isolated with fear, guilt, lack of trust, abandonment, all these issues that come from the past of abuse. So we have roots from past experiences. We have roots from abuses in the past. And also, there, there may be, maybe there's roots from sin in our lives that, that we keep secret, that we have secret sins in our life. And, and the enemy, that's where he loves to zero in on us and hammer us with these thoughts of, oh, you do that? You do that? You're not worthy of God's love. God can't love you if you do that. That's what the enemy would tell us. He would tell us that no one else has that problem. You're the only one. So you better keep that to yourself. The enemy tells us if everyone, if anyone, if anyone finds out about that, you're done. They'll write you off. You'll be gone. You'll be history. The enemy tries to tell us those things about those secret sins maybe that we have in our lives. The truth is that there are many things that we try to keep from God and from others. We feel, we feel like we're the only one, the only one who has that fear or the only one who is victimized like that or the only one who is caught up and bound up in, in that secret sin. We feel like that sin that we're trapped in is so deep and so ugly that we must keep it hidden. We must hide those roots. No one can ever know. That's how we feel inside because we know that the enemy is pounding on us, is hammering us with these thoughts, with this guilt, with this shame. But let's look at the truth. Let's go to the truth of the matter. Let's look at what Scripture tells us about these roots and about exposing them and, and then about the healing that we can find, the healing that we can find when we replace these shallow roots like a shrub with roots that go deep like the tree on the bank of the river, deep into the living water. So as we turn our scriptures this morning, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, we'll read verses 1 through 14. Ephesians was written by the Apostle Paul, and, and this section is uh, talking about walking in love, walking in love toward God and toward one another. So Ephesians 5, 1 through 14, says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Did you know you're beloved children of God? Beloved. God loves you. You're a beloved child of God. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place. But instead, let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, covetous, that is, an idolater, Remember we talked about idols last week and about those things that we put in our life that we make idols out of and they probably don't look like the, the images of idols from the Old Testament that we think of. 
But the idols that we put in front of our lives of maybe some, uh, some of the things that we enjoy doing, some of the, uh, maybe even our family, maybe our job, those types of idols that we talked about last week. So they have no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. <clears throat> Very important words. You were darkness, but now you are light. That's who you are. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Exposing roots, exposing those things in our lives that... We've kept hidden. Maybe those fears in our lives that we've kept hidden. Those abuses, those, the, the, uh, the after effects of those abuses, the consequences of those things that, that we were victimized of in the past. Maybe we've kept those hidden in the past. We can expose those and bring them to light. And Christ will shine on you. Christ, the light of the world, will shine on you. This can be a hard message. It can be a hard message for all of us. All of us have roots that haven't been exposed but need to. They need to be brought into the light. Roots of fear, roots of disobedience, roots of past abuses or mistreatments, roots of secret sin. All of us have these roots, and all of us need to expose them to light. We all do. As the Word says, as we just read, we were in darkness, but now we are in light. We're in the light. We can expose these things and know that God will bring healing. He'll bring forgiveness to us through them, through our exposing them. Those things that we've kept in darkness, they, they seem so deep, so hidden, so personal that we feel we can't confess them to the Lord. We just can't. It's too risky. It's too much of a risk for us. We feel that they, may st- that they, they have to stay hidden. These things we have, to, we have to hide. We're so wrapped up in them. Maybe they've even become a part of who we think we are, our identity. Maybe this fear of winter that I have became part of who I am. But no, God hasn't made me a fearful man. God has made me a child of light. We feel like we can't expose these roots because what would the next guy think of me? What would he think of me? What would she think of me? If they knew who I was, if they knew what I've done, they wouldn't allow me here. They wouldn't have me here. They wouldn't be my friend anymore. We allow those thoughts to be deep inside of us. We feel like it's so painful for these roots to be exposed. Some of these roots that that were put down early in our lives by abuse or by mistreatment, they're so painful to deal with, to be dug up. But God brings healing as he replants those and transplants transplants us in a much better place, rerooted in Jesus Christ. We may feel like there's just too much hurt involved. There's too much risk in exposing these roots. But I want you to know all of these things are lies. They're all lies straight from the enemy, straight from Satan himself. God's love never fails us. He always welcomes us home. He shines his light on those deep, dark roots. 
not to expose, not to bring condemnation, not to bring embarrassment or shame or guilt, but to bring light and healing from those things. And he never condemns us. God never condemns us. Do you know that Jesus came to the world? John 3, 17 says he didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. These things that we're going to expose, these things that that we want to bring up before God and, and repent of, God's not going to condemn us for those things. He's forgiving us. He came to save us from those things. As we repent, he brings salvation. He brings forgiveness. These things... These things are not who we are. Like I said, I'm not a fearful man because of something that happened when I was a kid. Because God has made me a new man. Do you know that God makes us a new man? 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, as soon as we are in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. He's made us new. I'm a new man. I'm not a fearful man. I'm new. There's somebody that I know who came to me with, within the last year, year and a half, and, and he struggles with pornography. And he came. I didn't know that. I didn't know that he had that. He had kept it secret for many, many years. And finally, after years of a, of a marriage that was suffering because of it, he brought it to the light. He confessed it to God. He repented. He repented of that. He confessed it to God. And then he confessed it to others. One of those others was me. So as we talk through it and we walk through it, we're finding healing for him. He's, he's finding healing through this process of confessing his sin one to another, repenting to God for forgiveness and confessing one to another to bring healing. So now we're walking through the healing process. We're rerouting by exposing these roots of darkness and letting God transplant them with strong and healthy roots like a tree planted by a river. Healing. He's finding healing by his confession to God and to others. If you look at the book of James 5.16, I'm kind of going through these fast. Um, I'll put all of our scriptures that, we're go- that we reference on Facebook on the Pittsfield campus page. Uh, if you want to look those up later, um, if I go too fast for you through them. James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. That you may be healed. That you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. That you may be healed. Confessing our sins to God and to others. We know that confessing our sins to God brings forgiveness. Because the scripture tells us if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, right? God forgives our sins. But this verse in James, it, it kind of goes another step, and it says that our, confessing our sins one to another can bring healing. It can bring healing. And I hope that since I've confessed my fear of winter, that I'll find healing through that. Because I believe that that, that healing is here. And I believe that God can do that, and he can change my heart through that. So we confess to others. Now, that doesn't mean we... We're going to call everybody up here this morning to confess every sin to everyone here because that would be crazy, right? And it would take a long time. It would <laughs> it'd take a long time to get past me, I'll tell you that much. But there is an appropriate way to confess our sins one to another, and that's what we need to do appropriately. 
Who needs to know? Who do we need to confess our sins to? Probably not the whole church. Probably not even your whole life group, or maybe not even your whole life group. But maybe one-on-one. Maybe there's one person, that one person that, that you're in community with, that you know and who knows you, who can pray for you, encourage you, hold you accountable, and who won't condemn you, just like Jesus won't condemn you. And then that person can celebrate, can celebrate the healing that comes, just like I'm celebrating with this guy that has this pornography issue. His healing is coming, and he's doing better, and God is healing him from that. He's healing his heart. He's healing his mind, and we celebrate those things together. But I want to encourage you, and I want to strongly encourage you that this person is confessing of one to another. It's not, a, it's not an opportunity to find a gossip partner, that's for sure. It's not a, you don't want to find somebody that's going to look at you differently because of what you tell them. It's one who loves you, one who cares for you. And see, that's, that's the beautiful thing about life group. Even though, you know, maybe, maybe you're not going to confess your sin in front of the whole life group. You're not going to confess your fear. You're not going to confess the things that are paralyzing you and holding you back to your whole life group. But those are the people where you find those relationships that are good and strong. And, and you can find that person that you know loves you and cares for you and won't change his or her opinion of you. And you can say, hey, let's go out for coffee or can you come over to my house and let's share some time together. And as we do that, as we grow into a church like that, a church that loves each other so much that that, that happens on a daily basis, then these, these conversations, these, these uh, confessions of our sins one to another, they're not nearly as awkward because we know each other. We love each other. We, we probably already know, that person probably already knows and sees inside of us some of the things that we think are hidden and secret. So getting to know each other, being part of, each other's lives, being part of community together is so important. Community together with trusted people, people that you know and love and who love you and know you. I've read to you a couple of times from Jerry Cook's book. Jerry Cook was a, uh, an amazing Foursquare pastor. He passed away a couple of years ago. His book was called Love, Acceptance, and Forgiveness. And, and one of the things that, that he says is he commits to love and accept and forgive people in his church. One of the things he says is that no matter what I find out about you and no matter what happens in the future, either good or bad, my commitment to you will never change. And then he says, there's nothing you can do about that. There's nothing you can do about it. That's the kind of person you need to find. You need to cultivate those relationships and those friendships in your life groups. Those are the kind of people that you need to share your life with. Confess your sins one to another. Those are the kind of people that will love you. And they'll say, okay, you've got that in your life. Let's move forward. How can we, can we can draw closer to God together? I can pray for you. I can encourage you. I can hold you accountable. Together we can do this. And then you move forward and you find healing. Not only do you find forgiveness, you find healing. Those things can go away. Healing. Healing. There's forgiveness when we confess our sins to the Lord. But healing, healing begins when we confess our sins one to another. And it's not as simple as just confessing. There's more work than that. That's just the beginning part. You, know, you can't just go to your friend and say, hey, I do this, I did this. Oh, okay, we're all healed. No, that's the beginning of healing. That's where healing starts. 
Confessing to one another is the way for healing to begin. To begin. Just like this man that, that I'm working with who's been bound up in pornography. F- freedom is beginning. Healing is beginning. He's not there yet, but he's going to get there. Because we're going to walk together as we get there. So the question that we started with today is what is hidden in my life? So that's the question that I'd like for you to ask yourselves. And then I'm going to ask you, what are you going to do with the answer to that question? What are you going to do with the answer? Will you ignore it? Because that might seem like it's the easy way. If I can just ignore it, it'll go away, right? Ignorance is bliss. But you know, though, deep inside your heart, now that you've heard this, now that this, this thing is stirring inside you, you know that ignoring it won't make it go away. It's going to fester. It's going to grow worse. It'll cause more pain and create more anxiety. So let's not ignore it today. Will you listen to the lies of the enemy who, who would tell you that it's just too big of a risk? You can't confess that. It's too big of a risk. You can't ask for forgiveness for that because it's too stinking risky. No. We're going to find forgiveness, and we're going to let the healing begin. We're going to find forgiveness today and let the healing begin because we can do that. The healing can start today. The healing can start today. It's a simple concept, but it's so hard to do. It feels like it's such a risk. It's hard work. It's looking back and seeing some of those things that have hurt us in the past, seeing some of those things that we've done in the past that have hurt ourselves. Maybe you find simple things like my fear of winter, something that's easy to confess. Or you might find roots that were, that were planted by abuse. Victimization, manipulation, or even violence against you. Whatever you're dealing with is real for you. I don't mean to trivialize it by my seemingly trivial story of being afraid of cold weather. Because it's real. It's real. These things that you find, these roots that, that you can find in your mind, in your heart, even today as you think about it, they're real for you. And they need to be replanted. They need to be exposed. They need to be brought in front of the light, brought to the light and exposed and let the healing begin. So as you you consider this and, and you consider the confessing of these things to the Lord and to others, you can know one thing for sure, that God will not condemn you. John 3, 17 reminds us of that, that Jesus didn't come to condemn. However, if you know that you want and need to confess but you do feel condemned? Well, if God's not going to condemn you, where do you think that feeling is coming from? Who's, who's putting that in your mind? Who's putting that in your heart? If it's not coming from the Lord, that's coming straight from the enemy of your soul. That's coming straight from the one who wants to keep you in bondage. If you're feeling a condemnation about that, it's not from the Lord. God promised us that he, he didn't come to condemn. But the enemy, the enemy of your soul, wants to keep you bound up. He wants you to be isolated. He wants you to think that you're the only one Because he wants to to keep you out of the game. He wants you to be paralyzed, injured, afraid. He wants you to be beaten. Because if you're bound in your sin and in your fear or in your inability to, to plant your roots in Christ, if you're bound in those things, then the enemy wins. You remain in darkness and you can't find the light. Your roots stay where they are and you won't find freedom. You won't find the healing that's readily available simply by 
asking God for forgiveness, and then working out healing, confessing our sins one to another. So this process, like I said, can start today. Confess to the Lord. Repent. Ask God to forgive you. I had to ask God to forgive me for this fear, this, this thing that I've let become bigger than God in my life, this fear that I made an idol out of. I had to ask God to forgive me for that. And I've got to trust him because that idol is going to want to come back into my life. And when it gets really cold again, that idol is going to want to come back into my life and want to take me off of the, the mission that God has me on. It will want to paralyze me and make me afraid. So I'll receive forgiveness and I'll walk through healing as I've confessed it to many people today. It feels risky. It does. It feels risky. I understand that. But God has a plan. He has a plan for you to walk in light, to be out of the darkness, to be in the light. Verse 8 of Ephesians 5 that we read says, At one time you were darkness, but now you are light. So walk as the children of light. Scripture tells us to walk as children of light, to be in the light. There's hope. It does feel risky, but the Lord, he's faithful to forgive. He leads us out of darkness, and he shows us this great plan that he has for us. He's faithful to heal us as we confess our sin one to another. And John 1, 7 says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. We have fellowship with one another. One another means back and forth. One another doesn't mean one way. One another, back and forth. We have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. He cleanses us from all sin as we fellowship together, as we have this togetherness as a community by confessing our sins. And you know, we, do, we confess our sins, but we also confess our victories. We confess our celebrations together. It's not just a time to get together and talk about all the the mean, rotten things we've done in our lives. But there's times that come and you say, I can celebrate this because I'm not there anymore. I'm not in darkness anymore. Let's celebrate this together. We're forgiven by the blood of Jesus, the Son of God, cleansed from all sin. He didn't say most sin. It didn't say every sin, but your sin, all sin, walking in the light, in fellowship with one another. The beauty of the church body being in fellowship together, loving each other enough to confess our sins one to another, back and forth, and know that we love each other. We have each other's back, and we're going to walk through this stuff together. Like brothers and sisters, living and loving together, one another, accepting one another, and bringing forgiveness for one another. We don't have to live that way anymore. We were darkness. Now we are light. Freedom is here. Forgiveness is here. Healing is here. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. We're going to have a time of prayer. And the, the worship team's going to come back up. And I'd like for you to really consider where you are in your walk with the Lord. Consider those roots that you've put down. Like I said, we're not here to condemn anybody. We're not here to um, bring shame or to parade anybody in front of anyone. But think about those things within you that God can, that you need to confess to God, those fears that you need to confess, those feelings that you need to confess because of some past experiences, some, some past abuses. 
Confess those to God. Ask him to forgive you. Repent from those. And then as we go forward this week in your life group with those who love you closely and dearly, we can share things together one-on-one, two-on-two, small. And then the healing will begin. So let's all bow and pray. Father, we know that your word is true. And we know, Lord, that your word says that if we confess our sin, you're faithful and just to forgive us. So, Lord, we, we confess those sins to you. We repent, Lord. Father, for me, I repent for my inability or my failure to trust in you, to have faith in you, to carry me through, Lord, in this, these cold winter months, Lord, the things that bring so much fear and paralysis to me, Father, I repent. Father, as we're here today, I pray that as you're speaking to, to individuals here, Lord, that, that they would repent. Father, that you would change their hearts, they would open their hearts for repentance, and, and Lord, comfort them with the knowledge of your forgiveness. Comfort them with the knowledge that you didn't come to condemn, but you came to save. Father, we thank you that we're no longer a slave to fear. We're no longer a slave to those things that happen to us, those abuses, those feelings we get. We're no longer a slave, Father, to that sin that just seems so bad that we can't tell anyone about. Because you bring freedom, Father. You bring freedom as we repent, confess one to another. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com 